What's up, you crazy fighting entrepreneurs? Guess who it is? Your favorite person in the whole wide world? That's right, Onyx Agon back today, and I'm stepping into the ring. This is an international fight today. All right, we're bringing in someone from Australia. This is the true international championship. Um, now, this is my second time I'm doing this opening because it's 9.30 in the morning for me. As you can, <laughs> just, if, if you don't know this about me, by the way, I am not a morning person, and all you 5 a.m.ers, I don't care. It's just not for me, not yet, okay? Uh, having a kid soon, maybe that'll change. But um, it's also 11 p.m. for him. So we both uh, are not in our prime, but I really wanna shout out to our guest because he stayed back late to be able to do this. So today, we're talking to NFTs. It's gonna be an amazing episode. You do not want to step away from this at all. We're gonna talk about his backstory. We're gonna talk about how he helped generate $5 million in like 37 minutes. <sighs> how awesome is that? But here's what we're really gonna do. I have some complaints. I have some issues with NFTs. I have some reasons I haven't made a lot of money with NFTs. And for some reason, I'm gonna take them out on Jordan today, our guest. He's gonna be representing the NFT world and I'm the other side. Uh, no, he's actually gonna help me solve that problem. And then the big thing, are you ready? So many have asked me, Anik, why don't you do an NFT collection? You have such a big following. And you're right, and I should, and I don't know what the heck I would be doing. So I thought, why not get the guy who's made $5 million in 37 minutes? That seems like a pretty credible person to teach me how to launch an NFT. So we're going to go over all of that. Yes, that's right. We're going to talk about how to launch an NFT project today as well. Now, before I continue, subscribe below. Come on, hit subscribe. Hit the little bell icon. Hit the thumbs up icon. If you're on YouTube, leave us a comment. If you're on any other podcast platform, make sure you subscribe and leave us a great review. Thank you so much. Um, and, of course, onicpodcast.com for your binge listening uh, pleasures. Okay. Get off of Netflix and of course, learn.com, L-U-R-N.com. Come join the revolution of entrepreneurs that are going to change the world without further ado. So before we got started, I was actually talking to our guests and I'm like, how did we meet? You know, I, I typically know kind of how I've met someone who I bring on here and how I followed them. I couldn't really figure out it with this particular individual, but I've been following him like crazy. I mean, I think I reached out to him almost three, four months ago to get him on this podcast. Um, and I was tracking him for months and months before that. So he comes from the marketing community. And about nine, 10 months ago, he really pivoted hard towards this whole, what I call the meta world, right? NFTs and crypto and coins and all that. And he posts about it all the time, uh, just so you know. And for the record, I, I believe I pay him money. Um, I've, I know I've joined one of their communities. I'm pretty sure I paid for it. I haven't utilized it yet because of some of the things I'm going to raise today that he's going to walk me through. He is really, I would say, one of the top five that I personally track and follow when it comes to this world. So I'm excited to bring him on. Jordan, Jordan, friends, everybody help him come on and give him a big warm welcome into the ring. Jordan, thanks so much, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you and figure out what some of these issues are. I think we can work through them. So I'm excited. Yeah. So, so again, for the audience, we're going we're gonna to talk about NFT trading. We're going to talk about like basically other people's projects, go in, buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell. But then I think the part I'm most excited about is this, the latter half of this episode. We're going to talk about me and how I can launch an NFT project and, and use his $5 million case study as something to kind of maybe hopefully emulate. Um, so... Uh, so Jordan, tell me a little bit about yourself. You, you mentioned before we started the recording that you know we probably met in the whole ClickFunnels community. The, the, I call it the marketing community. But you look like a pretty young guy. I mean, like how how old are you? When did you start? Like once upon a day. Like give me a little bit of your uh, you know story. Yeah, I think 
I, I, I'm I pretty young. I've been uh, doing this since high school. I had uh, my first internet business when I was 14 years old. I had game servers. Um, in fact, I, that was the first business I started and the first business I sold. Um, I sold that for $4,000. I was still in school and that was a crazy amount of money. Uh, and that got me started on, uh, on you know, this whole excitement and interest in business. And things kind of just snowballed from there. I had various businesses when I was growing up. I had an eBay store. I had uh, web hosting businesses. It was all kind of digital. Um, digital products were a big thing for me. And then, you know, as I sort of grew older and, and, and figured out what I was good at, um, that was really marketing. That was sort of, you know, creating offers. That was uh, community building. Um, and it kind of naturally went into sort of digital marketing and, and digital growth. Um, and yeah, I mean, over the last sort of five years, I've operated a predominantly uh, digital marketing, what I'll call a JV agency in the sense that, you know, we, we were getting really good at making people money through building their funnels and, and running their ads. And then we kind of just said, well, hey, um, instead of uh, paying us the retainer, let's just go into business together. And so we bought a bunch of businesses that did super well as digital products. And uh, I, I know I'm, you know, going over a lot of the details, but, you know, probably 10 months ago, I basically applied the exact same business model to the NFT space um, because I could see a lot of opportunity and upside. So um, yeah, I've been doing it digital products since I was super young. It, it evolved into marketing and then it eventually landed in NFTs. It's so interesting because I feel like we see this transition with a lot of people. I haven't quite made it yet, but I have a tendency to sometimes be late on trends, but you see a lot of marketers moving to NFTs. Why do you think it is that marketers are going into NFTs. Does the skill of marketing have anything to do with it or is it just because we love money? I mean, why is that? Why are you seeing this huge transition? Yeah, look, I think um, I think for the most part, there's definitely a lot of people interested in, in the financial aspect. I mean, you've seen some of the numbers that people have raised and, you know, my raise, the one that you had mentioned, which was 5 million in 37 minutes, that's comparatively kind of small to some of the crazy things that people have um, managed to do in the space. Um, so yeah, I think there's a huge financial interest and there is certainly a degree of marketing. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about what that really looks like for a project. But for me, you know, I don't know if you, if you, you I know we were connected on, on Facebook, I don't know if you saw, but before I actually pivoted to NFTs, I was super against NFTs. I, I, I was like, I don't get it. I think, you know, these JPEGs are just too expensive. There's no value there. And, you know, I saw all these people doing super well and I was like, you know what, maybe I should put aside the ego, put aside my preconceived ideas and just explore it a little bit. And, you know, what I found was that there was actually some really good projects among those that weren't so great. And those, those projects had uh, the opportunity to do things better. And I'm particularly talking about community and marketing. So, you know, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I saw that pivoted and started helping these projects with exactly those things. Um, and it was just kind of a natural fit. Um, and, and I managed to, you know, partner with the right projects, the projects that were really doing something cool and something good. And so that was really how I, you know, opened my mind to it. And that was kind of my entry into that space. So everyone, if you're wondering what the heck is an NFT, all that, we're going to get into that real quick, but you asked something, you said something, and I just want to probe there a little bit, partnering with the right projects. What, so you obviously weren't some NFT influencer, blah, blah, blah. What, like, why were you a partner? Why'd they make you a partner into a whole project? Yeah, well, 
to be honest, the very first project. So I, I went and bought a bunch of NFTs, lost a, a, a bunch of money. I, I kind of had to figure out what was good and what was bad. So there was a learning investment there. And I remember coming onto this uh, particular project. I was just going to be a buyer. I was a community member. And it was super early in the process. They only had a Telegram chat, um, which people really don't even use that much anymore for NFTs. And I said, listen, you know, I've, I've minted a few NFTs. I've been a part of a few communities. I think I get it. I think I understand how I can make this better in terms of building the community, running the marketing. Um, why don't you just leave that to me? Like, just, just let me handle that for this one. And if you don't like anything, you let me know, but let me just run it and you guys take care of the tech and you'll be the face of it and whatever. And, uh, you know, this, this guy said to me, yeah, well, um, yeah, we've already got a bit of a Telegram group, so we want to launch um, next week. So I had like five days to do it. And uh, yeah, basically rolled into a successful $2 million raise in like five days. And then that kind of opened the floodgates to, hey, did you see what that guy did for this project? And it, it just kind of started. That's how the snowball started. That, that was going to be my question. And you kind of mentioned, so to, so you got involved in a community just like anybody else, just like you or like, just like me or anyone else could just join a community of a project. And then what, through that, through Telegram, did you just private message the founders of that project? Is that what you did? 100%. Yeah, I just, uh, I reached out and I said, listen, um, don't worry about the money. I, di I didn't even really go chasing a fee. I said, just let me take care of this. I want to see what I can do. It won't cost you anything. And they were happy to to, to allow me to do that. So yeah, it was just a, it was just a cold, direct message. Did you end up making anything from it? I did. They actually looked after me. Um, okay. I think they sent me about 20, 25 or 30 grand. So I can't complain. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask you an uncomfortable question, but I thought I'd ask anyways. In your in your total, all the projects you've been on um, so far, it's only been doing NFTs for eight, nine months or whatever. How much would you say in, you've helped raise as the word you to use your word uh, in total? Rough ballpark. Yeah, I think if you look at primary sales, which is like minted NFTs, not including secondary volume, it's you know in the range of about 50 million uh, in US dollars. One five or five zero? Oh, five zero. That's my accent. Yeah, fifty. Hmm. You just you just became more interesting on the spot there, Jordan. <laughs> you should lead with that point of detail. That's pretty interesting. Um, okay. Uh, I think I'm going to change the title of this episode, but we'll come back to that later. All right, man. I got so many questions. I just know which way to go. Um, so. NFTs, there, there's a bunch of terms you mentioned, right? So you said NFTs, you said primary, you said minted. I kind of want to get into all of that for our listeners so that they understand the rest of the conversation. But um, yeah, I guess while I'm getting my thoughts together and writing some questions out, what, just real quick, like super simple explanation, what is an NFT? Yeah, I, I think um, the highest level explanation for an NFT and um, you know, I probably won't even do it justice to a developer who really understands the blockchain. But at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, digital uh, ownership, uh, but it's provable digital ownership. That ownership is recorded on the blockchain. Um, and, you know, effectively that says, you know, this is uh, mine, it belongs to me. And there's proof of that on, uh, you know, which effectively cannot be changed. Once it's on the blockchain, it, it's irreversible. So, uh, it's proof of digital ownership, which is something that hasn't really uh, existed before. And there's a bunch of things uh, about like whether something is hosted on chain, which is to say, you know, that let's just say you've got a, a, a you know, a, um, an image of an ape uh, is the NFT, whether that's actually hosted on the blockchain uh, or whether it's just a, you know, signature to say, you know, 
pointing to an offsite website that, hey, that ape is your ape. Um, but I, I don't want to bore you with the details of that. And in terms of, I think just quickly, I'll touch on some of those terms that just to help everybody. You know, minting, uh, for example, that, that refers to, you know, when you're going to actually purchase an NFT for the first time, so that NFT effectively doesn't exist. Uh, what you're doing is, is, is minting it. You're writing it to the blockchain uh, and, and specifically to your uh, wallet address. So uh, minting is effectively creating it, paying for it, and it, it becomes an NFT. Um, yeah. So with minting, you know, basically, yeah, anyone... So let's say I'm launching a project in this again for our listeners and I decide, all right, there's going to be 5,000, uh, you know, pieces of this project. I release a mint date. You get to go in and I, and I send a mint price. So if it's one Ethereum, you'll come in, you'll mint it for one Ethereum um, and then it's yours. And typically in a good project, right, the prices will go up immediately and like you're already in equity and have money. Hey, um, Jordan, who, so there's another term that everyone has to know when you're minting is gas. And it, this is probably like the most, like, I think in the NFT world, it's like the most talked about topic. It's not, you know, gas, like in your car, it's, I, it's the money it costs to generate this thing. I have a question. I haven't Googled it. I could have just Googled it. It's been on my mind for months. You would think I would just Google it and get, who the heck gets that money? Who gets gas money? Where does that go? Yeah, so it's actually miners. So, you know, for something to be actually written to the blockchain, uh, that's done through a bunch of independent nodes. And these are basically referred to as miners. And these people are effectively writing things to the blockchain in a decentralized manner. And that gas fee is, is effectively, it's effectively the transaction cost. It's what you're paying to have that push through and onto the blockchain. And um, the problem with gas fees, I think if anybody's, you know, at a high level, or whether they've minted or they've just kind of heard about it, transaction fees uh, apply whether something is successful or not. So, you know, you can be fighting to mint a particular NFT and you can spend thousands of dollars in gas if you're not careful and somebody beats you to the punch and you lose those transaction fees. So that's one of the really big downsides of layer one chains like Ethereum, which we can we can chat about in a bit. Yeah. I mean, that makes me want to be in the gassing business, honestly. <laughs> sounds, sounds like a good business. So, um, all right, I've got a bunch of questions. And we'll kind of keep coming in and out. Um, so, so minting is the original process. A project launches. Then there is a secondary uh, income as well. So we'll get into that. But why do you call it a raise? I found that term very interesting. You're like, we raised $2 million. That's almost like you're borrowing from the investment world. Why do you call it that? Yeah, so I think that in a project that's doing everything properly and that has uh, good intent, isn't just going to run away with the money, they're, they're ultimately raising that money for a purpose. They're, they're, they're going to allocate that capital, whether that's, you know, who knows, so to, to create an animated series, to create a game, uh, to release a line of merchandise, could be all of the above. And this relate, relates to the project's roadmap, which I, I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit. But, you know, they're... they're bringing you know that they're, they're all this capital that they that they raise is being allocated to developing certain things that make the project actually valuable um and so when we talk about a raise you know good founders will say well how much do we need right it's like well we're going to need five million dollars to do all these things okay we need to raise five million dollars and then they work backwards from that so i think we use the term raise when you've got a when you've got a project that you know at least if they've got good intent it's because they're really raising capital to go and deploy it that that's interesting. I didn't know that. That's that's very interesting. All right. I guess we're gonna get into the details of that when we talk about kind of having me launch an NFT project. Um, 
you know, let's go back to your early days and then this will come into kind of my, I told you I had some complaints. The reason I haven't gotten into NFTs, right? So I was talking to Robbie Blanchard the other day and, and Robbie, for anyone who knows him, he's like a super chill, nice guy. Like he's always even Stevens. I've seen him and like stressed. I've seen him happy. Like he's just a happy guy. That's his like frequency. And, and he just happens to mention to me, he's like, hey, do you have a bored ape or something? I'm like, no, I don't. I never ended up buying one of those. He's like, oh, I just woke up this morning, made 400 grand. And I'm just like, what? Right? And I'm not even sure if I'm supposed to reveal that. Holy crap. Sorry. Um, but, you know, I was like, how? He's like, I own this thing. They released a coin and I just woke up to this money. But I also, like, that sounds great, right? But I also know how much time he puts into this. He loves this stuff. So he's in those communities. He's on Twitter. He's, you know, he's doing all of that stuff. And... That was where, when I came in, right, I told you about eight, nine, 10 or 12 months ago, I kind of had this burst. I was like, I want to go, I want to go see all this. It's so overwhelming, man. Like this Discord group, that Discord group, Telegram, and these groups are active. They have 8,000, 9,000 people. It's just blowing up. And it's like, who's going to sit there and read all that? I got a life to live. I got a business to run. I got like shit to do. And not only that, but you gotta be a part of like seven of them. And then you'll ask a question like, hey guys, when's it minting? And they're like, it was already said, you know, five hours ago in this chat. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm not sitting here obsessively reading this. And so it got so overwhelming. I was like, dude, this isn't for me. This is worse than the stock market. Like, that's the reason I don't trade in stocks is because I don't want to sit there like that. So how do you find projects? Are you doing that? I mean, very honestly, like, do you, participate, read all these, like, how do you go out and find like, you know what, this project I want in, it's launching on this day. I want to buy it. Or is that just required? Do you have to be like on your toes reading everything to get these projects? So, I, I mean, that's a great question. And to, to answer it, I would tell you, it really depends. Uh, it depends on how much capital you, so, so you really got to define who you want to be as an investor in this space. There is an inherent risk across uh, all of these assets, whether it's the ones that are already successful or the ones that are just getting started. The, the best way I can put it to you is that, you know, if you're somebody who has capital and is time poor, what you would more likely do is allocate that capital to projects that are already proven or are on that track. And so they're generally already quite expensive, right? They might be 10 Ethereum, which is like, whatever it is, $30,000, but you, you kind of know, like they're heading down the right track, they have the right partners, the roadmap is clear and they're gonna deliver it. And it's kind of just like a safe bet, it's, it's likely to do well. And then you're not really, you're not, you're not chasing the next thing. You're like, I'll just park it here in what's called a blue chip project, which is considered a, a strong and rival project. But then if you're, yeah, if you, if you do have time and you have a little less capital to work with, and there's also a middle ground here, you would be looking at minting because minting, you know, buying that, uh, initial uh, sale is the, the least expensive normally, right? It might be like 0 0.08 ETH. Um, and so you've got the opportunity to, to allocate smaller amounts of capital over a few more projects and try to pick a winner, but that's where the time comes in. So I guess it, it really scales. Like if you want to put less time in, you've kind of got to play with collections that are a little bit more proven. And if you don't have that capital to play with, you've got to kind of spend a little bit more time doing your due diligence and, and picking them wisely. Okay, so, you know, you do, basically. The answer is, like, you've got to be in, in the matrix um, to find the, the early projects. Do you, is it Twitter? Is that where you find them out? Is it, are you part of any communities you could tell us? Um, are there, like, websites you stalk that are great at this? Like, if someone's right now thinking, all right, I want to start 
you know, learning about this and immersing myself and I want to buy and mint some great NFTs, where would they go? Yeah, look, I think the first place um, <clears throat> that you've got to be is Twitter. I mean, there's almost this is title crypto Twitter and it's like this enormous subset of Twitter that is just everything NFTs um, and, and of course crypto as well. But, you know, it's it's really about understanding who the influence influences are in the space, um, you know, jumping onto their Twitter, uh, Twitter pages and kind of seeing what's uh, what's hot. And then, you know, a lot of communities, good communities have what they call alpha chats within the, the holder areas. And it's people who are kind of discussing, you know, what projects they're looking at. And so I guess uh, the answer is you've got a network. So you've got to jump on Twitter, you've got to spend time on Twitter and then just start jumping into some of these discords. And, you know, it, it's, it's a bit difficult because obviously some of these are pay gated, right? Like you've got to own the NFT to get into the alpha chat. Um, but there are, you know, open sort of general chats within some of these communities that you can dive into. Um, and there's also kind of like community assembled chats as well. Like if you spend a little bit of time on Twitter, uh, like mid-level influencer uh, tier, uh, you'll find Discord groups and stuff like that where people hang out. But it is it is a bit of work um, and you've kind of got to spend that time. And, and Twitter is the first place to be for sure. Yeah. Uh, little hack for everybody who's listening. One of the things I did is go to Twitter, find like a me or a Jordan or anyone. Um, I know one of the people who's who who he follows, Robbie Blanchard. Find Robbie Blanchard. He's been public about this and go look at who he's following. <laughs> There's your hack. Go look on who he follows because that's public. You can see that on Twitter and you, it's very clear to see which ones are like NFT or crypto related and just start following those. I actually, what I did on my Twitter, it took me a couple of days to do it. I unfollowed everybody. I had thousands of people because like years ago, someone ran some crazy software to help me. I don't know. I don't know why they did it. So I had to like go unfollow thousands of people and I did it. I cleaned up my Twitter. I unfollowed everybody, including my closest friends. I just unfollowed them. And then what I did is I went and I found like a few people that are big in NFTs. I found who they follow and I built a Twitter following of mostly just crypto and Twitter people, maybe a couple of people that teach investing. And it's really interesting to see now. It's like every time I want a dose of like what's going on in the investment world, I just open Twitter as an app, scroll for a minute and I have like a like I have that because that's all my feed is. It's nothing else. So it's just a little hack for everybody. Um, all right. I, I want to kind of just get right into this then, Jordan. Um, first of all, what do you do right now? Like, would you partner with people? Like, does someone come to you and say, uh, Jordan, I, I am so-and-so. I have this idea. Uh, now, here you go. <laughs> like, let's do it. Uh, do you then take it and run with it? Do you partner and advise only? Or do you do also? Like, what, what exactly would you do in this situation? Yeah, I think um, in, in the beginning, I was kind of open to most projects and we were sort of uh, working with anybody who had a, a decent you know, concept or pretty much anything in the very beginning. Um, and I was really focused on, like I said, community and marketing. That was you know, getting hands on with these projects, helping with the Discord and the, and the Twitter and the ads and that type of thing. Um, now it's, it's, it's pretty selective. It's, it's more so about, you know, is the project unique? Is it special? Um, not just another NFT project with 10,000 monkeys, for example. Um, and yeah, and it's also quite a focus on big brands and uh, sort of, you know, influencers, people who have an audience to activate as well. So it's a little bit more selective now and it's more advisory than hands-on. But yeah, look, I'm always open to uh, cool projects. And um, uh, again, I'm, I always look at it as like, would I want to mint this? Like I've been through a process so many times of like um, minting things and, and, you know, just seeing that it's all kind of the same. And so when I get excited about a project, I'll generally want to jump in and, and participate. Got it. 
Um, now that we're getting into the process of launching an NFT, let's say, let's go back to that $2 million raise that you talked about. How much of that do the founders get to keep? Or is it is it intended or assumed? Like, what's the automatic assumption? Uh, is that money supposed to all go back to the project? Like right now, if I go to a VC and I raise $10 million, the assumption is, right, the, the standard is all $10 million will go to the business. I get a salary or whatever, but... Um, What's the assumption or what's the norm in an NFT project? You know, um, when I got started, um, it, it really was the Wild West. I mean, it still kind of is, but it was pretty bad in the sense that like there was no transparency whatsoever. So it was like, uh, it was basically 100% uh, gross profit. I mean, there was very little cost associated outside of a little bit of marketing that you did. Um, and even to this day, uh, projects don't really... Uh, clearly um, articulate or explain where the capital is going. What they use is what's called a roadmap, which uh, you know people may or may not be familiar with, which is to say at a really high level, here are the things we want to do. Um, and, and, and it's really conceptual and it can be over a long time horizon. But outside of those like major milestones, there's very little transparency on how that capital is allocated. And there's very little accountability, which is, which is a problem, I think. Um, so yeah, it doesn't really exist. That being said, of course, people can track uh, wallets. The, the way that a lot of people get exposed for you know raising a bunch of money and then just running with it is that when you raise crypto, you, you can't really hide that you know what's raised. At the end of the day, it's all on chain and it's all through a public wallet. So um, outside of that small amount of like detective accountability, there's there's really not a lot. Um, yeah, the, the outside of a roadmap. Okay, so. Safe to say most of the money most people are raising is probably going to their pockets and, you know, maybe they're taking a little bit of it to 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 do more things with the project. Um, so let's say I came to you. I, let's do this, Jordan. So, you know, a little bit about me, you know, my you know, my background, you know, my following to a degree. Um, my sex. So my first issue with NFTs, right, to trade NFTs was it just wasn't for me because of where I am in my life. And anyone who's listening should know, like, this has nothing to do with you. Um, it's just not worth my time to be trading them quite, to be honest. And I'm not like in love with NFTs the way I might be like cars. Like I could see myself trading cars, even though it's not worth my time because I love cars, but, uh, or watches, but just not right. So, but I, one of the areas I really do like is the NFT projects with a, what they call a utility. And you've mentioned this a few times too. Uh, you look for unique projects. Does this project provide value? Can you give an like a hypothetical example, if, if not specific? Like, what makes a project unique? What makes a project valuable? What makes you go, oh heck yeah, I, I want to be a part of that project? Yeah, I, I think that what's cool is that that can technically be. You know, there's no set parameters, and I think what everybody does is, you know, the standard thing of like we're going to launch some merchandise or we'll do a little game, and there's like a few things that just everybody does, and as then there's these few people who think outside the box with something unique uh, that is different and actually provides value. And I, I can give you one example with uh, Cyber Pharmacy, which is a collection on Solana. Uh, you know, as a couple of examples here, number one, when you minted as part of that digital ownership, you actually received a physical package of goods. So you literally to your door, um, that was included in the mint. And then from a digital uh, perspective, there is a full, you know, tiered discount system on their marketplace based on rarity. 
So it's like you've got you know more than just the NFT, and, and nobody had done that at, at this point in time. Like the fact that you'd actually send something physical, and then there's a business attached, and there's discounts there, and um, you know it was just different. It, it was just something that hadn't been done before, and that's kind of what needs to be done to, to think a little bit outside of the box, and not just copy the same you know template that everybody's copying. But you know it can literally be anything, and and that's the exciting part is just there's so much that hasn't even been explored. And I think for people who are considering starting a collection, it's like instead of saying, look, what's everybody else doing? It's like, well, hold on a second. What am I good at? Um, because if you're good at, you know, let, let's just say it, it is a mastermind that you're, that you're really good at, you know, coaching and mentoring. Then it's like, okay, well, let's figure out how to make that a utility um, instead of just trying to copy everybody else. So I think so much is untapped. I think only 1% of what could be done has been done. And I think that's immense opportunity. Great. Well, let's do it. You, you kind of, you kind of transition there. So um, help me create so all I was going to say before I didn't finish this, I would love to do an NFT project. I think I'm getting more and more interested in it lately. Um, but f I feel like it has to have some utility for me to be really proud of it, right? Other than just, hey, here's a picture, here's a bunch of whatevers, and I promise I'll keep marketing it for years to come, so hopefully your value will go up. It's like, well, I can't promise the value will go up, but I can promise that while you own it, you'll get all of these other things as well. So it's like, you know, but help me create something unique, man. Like, let's do it right now. I want, let's say, let's put a target. Let's say, Jordan, I want to launch an NFT project in six months. Um, how, you know, ask me some stuff. Let's create something. It'll be fun. Yeah, so I think from a high level, uh, I'm, I'm imagining it would be some kind of like mastermind uh, is what you had in mind, that type of a format. I kind of have thought about this and I don't even know if any of this is possible, but I've thought about it almost as if like, let's say I created a unique, yeah, a mastermind or a website where you come in and the login is your NFT. Like it, it's a, it checks to see if the NFT is in your wallet um, and then you're logged into the back end and there's resources, maybe, you know, I always thought it could be fun as like an investment club if there was just like, like, you know, it's almost like if you, if you watch movies, right, there's like these clubs that are underground that you like knock on the door and say a code word and you enter, it's like a whole nother world. I kind of thought like that would be cool. Like it's the underground of the investing world where it's like, if you have this, you get to come in and there's lots of stuff going on. There's meet and greets, there's training, there's education interviews. Um, and there, there's actual investment tips like, hey, guys, we're all going to be investing in this. I don't think there's anything unique about that per se. I'm sure that exists already, uh, but at least I don't have one. So, you know, is that am I on the right? Am I going the right direction? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there, there's a lot of mechanics to consider. And I think that you've kind of got to understand the objectives. You've got to understand the landscape a little bit. And so uh, as, as an investor in NFT, somebody who's collecting an NFT, obviously what they're looking for, in addition to the utility, is that NFT to appreciate. Um, and there's a few ways to make that appreciate. Uh, number one is that it's just so great that people don't want to sell it. Number one, you know, that's the first and obvious thing. Uh, number two is to, you know, link that utility to people not uh, actually being able to sell it. And, and that's not, you know, I'll explain how that actually works. Um, and then there is exactly what you said, which is the club element. It's like being part of something. And the way you do that is through like that profile picture um, nature. I think that so many of these com communities, you know, the profile picture may just be silly or whatever, but they, they really, it, it's like, it's like social signaling. It's like, Hey, I'm part of this group and, and these are our values and it's, it's exclusive or not exclusive. Like I know, you know, uh, 
you know, people with the, with the board eight, for example, they've got that uh, profile picture on Twitter, all of a sudden, credible. Hey, these, this is a serious collector here. They, they know they know their stuff. And there's a culture around that. And again, it's, it's that social signaling. And so with, you know, a mastermind, for example, if you wanted that to be the utility, there's two things. It's making it exciting as a social circle in a club. And so there's a, there's like a, there's a brand element, there's a visual element. So you, you know, may, may, you know, maybe it's sci-fi investing, right. And you've, you create a, a bunch of cyborg characters, just hypothetically, and you're, you're first creating like, you know, the, the, you're kind of setting the tone. It's kind of culture building almost. And, and that is kind of the, the message and, and what people will display to say, Hey, I'm part of this really cool community. Um, and, and so that's kind of like layer one. It's like, here is the, uh, that's the community. And, and also remember that what's so interesting about NFTs, I don't want to get too sidetracked is that my perception of this is that the, the consumer, the customer and the beneficiary or the shareholder, that gap gets closed. And what I mean by that is when you invest in an NFT that you really believe in, and then that NFT goes on to do brilliant things. And when you were the person to support them early, to have the profile picture on Twitter, to bring more friends in, the value goes up, you're benefiting from the growth. You know, you, you're, you're, you know, you've got upside in that. So when you've got that profile picture on Twitter and, and that's growing, I mean, that's, you know, creating value and they're all benefiting from that. So <clears throat> there's that component and then there's the utility. And, you know, there's a few things you could do, like, for example, time-based rewards. So you might say, look, um, we're going to have a portal with, with modules and we're also going to do four in-person events a year. Um, and the, the portal with modules, you know, you get instant access to that. Like you, you, you have the NFT, you've got access to that, you know, mastermind area. But the annual events, you've got to hold on to the NFT for a certain number of days. And so what you're then doing is, is nurturing this uh, retention uh, that people won't want to sell. Uh, they want to hold on to it. There'll be, you know, very little changing of hands, which is, and people won't want to sort of flip uh, the NFT because they want to unlock these time-based rewards. So, you know, without getting too deep into the mechanics of it, you really want to incentivize people uh, in an ethical way to remain part of the community and want to participate in the future of that project with strategies like that. Hmm. Okay. That sounds interesting. So are you finding these kinds of projects to do well? I mean, I, I find like NFTs are probably more, a little bit more of a younger generation, younger, you know, person thing. But are, have, do you know of examples of NFTs that have launched that are community content education access driven like, uh, and that, that are doing well? Well, I can give you one example. Uh, I mean, there's a couple out there. One notable example that I had minted was called the Proof Collective. And the Proof Collective is a membership. Um, it's, you know, it's training. It's also people who are, share an interest in collecting art and particularly generative on-chain art. And I, I uh, minted that uh, for, I believe, three ETH. So I'm not sure what that was worth at the time, but today the trading value is about 90 ETH and it's been probably 60 days. So, um, and an, yeah, an enormous return. And again, it was just, they, they just built this culture of like, it's just too good to leave. I want to be part of this culture. And as, you know, the, again, it's, it's that like they're bringing friends in and they're all promoting it and they're celebrating it. They're part of it and they're all, you know, benefiting from that growth and that promotion because it's appreciating so much. So yeah, it totally works. And it's all about delivering value at the end of the day. But if you have those mechanics to really get people to, to, to hold on and remain active, I mean, that's, that's really the key. 
Okay, so let's. Can I ask some questions about Proof Collective? Uh, I know I, I don't know if you haven't. You weren't okay. How many did they mint? So you said minting was three ETH. How how many did they do? I did one thousand. They did one thousand. All right. So basically, three thousand ETH was created on the spot, which in today's world would be a thousand a million bucks, roughly. Uh, yeah, roughly. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, sorry, that would be a little bit more. But yeah, yeah, roughly. Yeah. Um. Okay. So. How did, did, were they already this big art collecting organization that had a massive database of art collectors? Like, how did they come about? Because that's great, right? So let's say that was, and, and I'll come and ask you what you think my goals are once I tell you about the community. But um, yeah, how did they market? Did they just pop up one day and take off? Like, talk to me a little bit about them or what you would do. Yeah, I mean, what's funny is that uh, in the case of Proof Collective, uh, who was that was founded by Kevin Rose, interestingly, uh, same situation. It was a podcast that was called Proof, uh, and that podcast went ahead and launched the Proof Collective. So it was, it was a similar format, and they just rolled it into this community. But it was basically taking the one percent that really were into um, you know NFTs from that podcast and said, you know, what, if you want a place to hang out and really get insight and information and access, here is the place to do it. Um, so yeah, it came from a, a podcast and then they funneled a portion of that audience into, into the mint. Got it. Um, was his podcast really big? Was it like, uh, we get hundreds of thousands of views, listens per episode. I guess what I'm trying to do is like, I'm trying to, well, here's a better question. In order to sell a thousand ETH, how big do you find the community has to be? Yeah, so the discord uh, channel, I would say. Yeah, look, I think I'll put it to you. I'll, I'll, I'll respond in this way. I, I think that, yes, there needs to be a baseline of attention regardless. And, you know, that may be a couple of thousand people on Twitter. I think Twitter is probably more important than Discord. Um, okay. So you, you, you kind of need to get those couple thousand Twitter followers. But, you know, you can engagement farm. You can play Twitter right and do that. That just takes a little bit of time. And then the amount of resources, capital, marketing spend you need to allocate to raising, you know, X amount of money really depends on how good the project is. And what I mean by that is this, the heavier it is to make it move, meaning the less exciting, the less original, uh, the more it costs to move that, that, that boulder, right? You, so you've got to go ahead and spend a ton of money to make people care. But when you've got something that is unique, is exciting, I, I can tell you with certainty that the NFT community looks at that and they're like, wow, like this is actually really cool. It's unique and it snowballs. If I were to give you an exact number, and because I actually have the number in terms of what we spend on marketing <clears throat> on a good project, it's one to 10. So if, if we spend $100,000, we can raise about a million dollars if and only if the project is actually good and, and, and unique and worthwhile. Got it. Okay, so actually I really like this. Let's do data. I'm, I'm a very numbers driven person. And so let's for a moment, okay, let's for a moment assume that it's me I'm launching the project. It's a good project, okay? It ain't the, you know, I'm not solving world hunger, but it's also not a crappy project. I'm using my influence. I, I foresee being able to keep growing it. Um, in that scenario, give me some numbers. Like, so, okay, here's, uh, actually, let's ask this question first, and this will backtrack into all the numbers. Gut feeling, would you, if you were advising me, would you tell me to launch with a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, four thousand, three hundred? Like, is more better, less better? Like, what's a good number you're seeing for a project like mine, the kind I'm thinking about? 
Yeah, I think that um, <clears throat> the climate of the market is that people are really, at least with the temperature being so hot, people are looking at collections that sell out. And that first big milestone is, is selling out. And normally you want to do that within a reasonable time frame. Otherwise, people just sort of lose attention, think there's not enough hype to sustain the project or awareness, if you want to call it that. Um, and so, you know, you need to figure out, like, first of all, what's a reasonable you know, number for me to actually, you know, go ahead and try and do. I mean, if you're trying to raise 10,000, you know, 10,000 pieces versus 1,000 pieces, it's more likely going to be a ton more people you actually need to bring into the community to make that happen. So in, in your case with, with your uh, audience and community, you know, I, I think that depending on what the utility looks like, a 1,000 piece collection, uh, collection that's kind of a little bit higher tier, which I would say is similar to Proof Collective, is, is better. And what I would what I would say to that is two things. Number one, it's easier to make a collection like that work and have a really good tight group of great people. Um, and it's, you know, you can, there's enough demand to, to make that supply evaporate. But the other thing is that, you know, once you've got a really good original collection, let's say you've got a thousand pieces, they're doing really well, you know, the values tripled, quadrupled or whatever since they minted. And then you say, you know what, we're going to go launch a 5,000 piece Gen 2 related collection um, that unlocks, you know, a, a bunch of other benefits or it's, an, or it's a tier down, for example. And now, you know, the community, A, there's more people aware of your project, but B, they're like, okay, well, the first run did really well. We trust this person and they've got some credibility and they've got some experience. So, you know, that you're always able to start small and then roll into something bigger that there's no stopping that. But I'm a personal fan of smaller communities that are a bit higher value, but it really does depend on, you know, your business model, your audience, how much you need to raise, you know, these are all things to consider. Got it. Really good answers. By the way, uh, this has been awesome. I'm actually looking at the clock for once, not because I'm like, oh, when's this going to end? I'm looking at the clock because I'm like, shit, I gotta, gotta, got a lot more questions. I have enough time. This is awesome. All right. Do you still like three ETH as a price point? If uh, So we're going to go with a thousand now for the rest of our chat. We're going to assume a thousand. Yeah, so um, that, so Proof Collective ran a Dutch auction, right? So what they did was they started at five ETH and they slowly went down to one ETH. And, and I think that the last pieces actually got sold at one ETH. So there were spread, you know, there were purchases mints at five and there were mints at one. Um, I, I think that's a really high mint price. I think that if you, I, I really believe in leaving upside to the holder. And what I mean by that is uh, it's a price where like it can appreciate. And if you take all of the appreciation out of it, it's less exciting as an investment, um, I feel. So I think for a 1,000 piece collection that's kind of higher caliber, I think the one ETH mark is really nice um, because it's, you know, it's a single ETH, it's clean. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a significant amount of money, but it's also not in the grand scheme of NFTs right now, especially on like Ethereum. So I think a 1,000 pieces at, at one ETH, if it really is a high, you know, uh, quality um, project is, is perfectly suitable. And I don't know, I'm not doing math right. I'm sorry, 3,000... So ETH is currently like I just want to get my math down here because I think I did it wrong before. It wasn't one million. I think it was ten million. Yeah, I, right? I, I thought we were off a bit. Yeah, a bit. I was off by a lot. Um, all right, Jordan, you got my attention again. That's that's actually three and a half million dollars. That to, you know, kind of. I don't know where ETH is right now. It probably jumped like seventeen percent since we started this conversation. But um, okay, so one ETH, thousand pieces. So now let's work backwards, okay? Give me some 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 targets I would hit. So I'm like, all right, that's it. That's what I'm doing. My first round, I'm doing a thousand, uh, one ETH. 
I, I know that the important terms you said Twitter, right? You said Discord. So first of all, how long would you want to see me do the pre-buzz marketing? Let's go into like true marketing talk. Is it one month, two months, three months, six months, one week? I don't know. People have short attention span. Yeah, you know what? It, it is obviously very much based on if we're speaking to you specifically, obviously you've got an audience, you've got um, all the infrastructures in place. So there's less of that initial push that you need to get. I think a real a project that's starting from square one with no audience um, I really, I tell them not to rush it. I say spend one, two, even three months building community. And that's unattractive because it's like, well, I want to, I want to, you know, the market's hot. I want to go now, but the community just matters so much. Um, and I think if you launch with an, a really healthy community on Twitter and Discord, you're just in such a great place. But in your case, I would suggest that, you know, it's really could be anywhere between 14 and 30 days and that would be ample. Um, and it's really just to get the message out there. Um, and it's to understand like within every funnel, uh, you, you know, you would know this better than anyone else. There's always sort of somebody for a higher, you know, tier offer or whatever. And I think in this case, and the same as it was for proof, that's kind of that higher value offer. And there is a portion of the audience that always, you know, wants to participate in something like that. And obviously NFTs are super exciting. So it's got that additional effect of like, well, it's not just a, a mastermind, it's, it's an NFT. Um, yeah. And it just quickly on that as well, what's interesting about, you know, making information products, NFTs, is that uh, for people who are you know, potentially cautious about you know, buying into, you know, let's just say information products, it's now an asset. It's, it's not a sunk cost in the sense that, you know, that there's actually resale value. And so that, that becomes a really exciting part about, you know, token gated communities and information because, you know, now it's actually an asset that can be resold and uh, it, it wasn't a once-off investment per se. Really interesting. All right, 14 to 30 days. Um... God, I had a great question and it just skipped my mind. Oh, real quick. So, and, and, and I want everyone to understand this. So in our, in our Excel world right now, in our fictitious world, we just sold thousand pieces at one ETH each and there's a secondary market. So let's say I'm the guy, I just sold a thousand pieces at one ETH. Do I, I keep making money, right? Cause I think every time people trade, I can get a sliver of that. What's the common trend in that? Like what is common for people to, to get through that? Yeah, so uh, there's the platform fee, which is like a two percent, two two to two and a half percent. That's inevitable. That the the secondary marketplaces like OpenSea take that fee, and then you've got the creator royalties, which is your um, you know royalty every time there's a secondary sale, which I think on average is about five percent, uh, between five and six point five percent. So um, you know projects like the Board Apes who do immense volume you know, make tens of millions of dollars just from secondary royalties. But yeah, it's roughly 5% of all secondary volume uh, that you collect as a, as a creator fee or royalty. Is there, have you seen any kind of like math to it? So let's say I sold, or let's go back to Proof Collective. And then, you know, they sold a thousand at three ETH. Is there a certain amount of that that gets traded every year, month? Is it like, for assumptions, if you're doing an Excel file, could you say like, oh, 10% will change hands, 5%? So you can kind of reverse calculate like, oh, I can make this much passive income from this. Look, it, it, it you know, that varies tremendously. Um, okay. in, in their case, I think in three months, they've done 10,000 ETH worth of volume, <clears throat> which is, what is that, like 33 million, I guess. So uh, 5% of that's not a, not a terrible situation. I think their fee is actually 75 or 8% as well. So <clears throat> it does really depend project to project. But if you get that traction on secondary, it can be a huge revenue stream. And there have also been projects 
I'm trying to think of a name of one to give you that have basically gone the route of like, it's a free NFT or it's like a really low cost NFT. And the model is, hey, we'll just take 10% on the royalty. And their whole thing is like, listen, we'll make it really accessible and we'll try and build a business model off of the secondary royalties, which is also an opportunity. But it certainly is another stream of income for a project. Got it. So, okay. So now let's uh, let's go to Twitter. I want to sell a thousand at one ETH. I'm not going to buy like stupid packages from people that go get me followers. So you can assume that anyone who follows me on, on Twitter, there'll be like, a, it'll be done right. What would you tell me? What, what should my aim be? How many followers should I have? So I feel comfortable, not obviously guaranteed, but comfortable that I'll get my thousand sold. Yeah. So, I mean, look, we're, again, we're talking about a very specific scenario. One ETH is a high mint price relative to everything else, but in this type of a membership based NFT, it's it's appropriate. Um, it, it does come down to quality of audience. And this is something that you've got to kind of take a temperature of through your, your own Twitter and sort of see like, well, what's the engagement like? What's the feedback looking like? You, you, you kind of learn to be able to take the temperature of the situation. I think that in you know your case, it, it's not an immense amount of people. It's more so quality over quantity. Um, and so if you've got, you know, you know, really 10, 15, 20,000 real people who are, are higher caliber, it's totally doable. Now, the exact, you know, a mirror image of another person who has a low quality audience, inactive followers, doesn't have that authority, could have 100,000 followers and not do it. It really does come down to, is the person trusted? Do they have authority? Uh, and is that community active and, and the right, are they selling the right thing to the right people? And this is just traditional marketing. You know what I mean? Like, are they selling the right thing to the right people? But I think in your case, yeah, I, I think a, a real 10, 20,000 is, is more than enough. Got it. Okay. Um, and what about Discord? Do, do, you, do you care or Telegram or whichever? Like, is, you know, because I see some Discords, man, oh, 30,000 people in it. And it's just like, I guess they could mint whatever the heck they want at that point. But yeah, would you give me, so if you're like a project advisor on this, would you give me a specific goal there to, to hit? Look uh, again. It's a, this is a particular. This is a, a non-traditional launch format compared to what everybody else is doing. And so, all these ten thousand piece projects that are a little bit unoriginal, they just go for like immense volume, right? And they're just hoping that two percent of the Discord will participate in the mint. Um, that's just sometimes the strategy. It's just sheer volume. Make it look like there's enough hype so that eventually a few people participate in the mint. In your case, again, it's, 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 it really is more about quality over quantity. And you may be selective through the Twitter of like, you know, how many people I want to let in. Um, <clears throat> your play wouldn't be hype. It would be more substance. It would be like, uh, you know, it's real quality and, and you've already got that audience activated. So I'd be focusing more on the Twitter, making sure that engagement is real and active. And the Discord on a project like this is not as important, I wouldn't think. Okay. But 5,000, 6,000, just to, to sake to have, because we're not going for 2%, but like it's going for 10% ridiculous. You'd be like, no, man, you got to at least have 10,000 in there. Otherwise, you know, because um, I don't know. Or do you just not care? Because just, there's no number for it. You know, look, if, if all the traffic came from your pages where you're the authority figure, I think it's totally realistic to have a 10, 20% mint rate um, out of a Discord if that was the strategy. Got yeah. It. Okay. So what other numbers or metrics we're going into a launch what are you trying to hit is there certain other numbers what have i not asked you yeah so 
you know, for, for, for a larger collection, you're really looking at engagement. Engagement is a really important sort of thing to be taking a temperature of. Like if you're putting out, you know, tweets and you're getting like six or seven likes, regardless of the follower count, you, you can probably pretty comfortably say there's a problem. Twitter is the temperature measure, in my opinion, on NFTs. And so seeing how busy or active it is really tells me about what a project's doing and if it's going to be successful. In a project like yours, I think the same thing is true. It is uh, engagement. I mean, um, I've heard some interesting ways of measuring uh, interest. One of them, for example, was how many people are sitting in the voice channel of the Discord. Um, and it seems like a weird thing but it's like okay they're so interested that they're sitting there normally hoping to get an allow list spot but they're showing their support you know what i mean so it's like how how active and engaged are these people sitting in the vc are they always typing in chat i mean it really all boils down to, to taking measurements of engagement that's really and, and you and you want to look at it and say look you know chat's flying people in the vc the twitter's active you, you feel pretty comfortable um so yeah it really it, it does come down to engagement monitoring all right so as you know, in my world, right? I mean, because of not just my audience and my influence, but I have friends who have tremendous audience and tremendous influence. And, you know, the strategy could be involved putting all that together. Is it, is it okay? Is it common or would it be shunned upon? So let's say we're minting a thousand, but I have another 500 that I've used to incentivize. Um, you know, I, I have those 500 that are going to the advisors that are going to not just the advisors like for the project, but I'm talking about the advisors in the community because I want to build a community where you get access to like the best of the best of the best. So I want to pay them for it. So I'm saying, hey, I'm going to give you X number of NFTs just to participate and be, a, you know, and they'll probably have like, hey, I give you X amount every month for being a part of this or whatever. Is that common? Like, let, let's say I took like, you know, I wanted to give some to. So then I, let's say I go to a guy uh, who has a big list and I'm like, hey, I want you to drive people to my project for this two weeks and I'll give you for every X thousand, I'll give you an NFT or whatever. And I say, so I still mint the thousand, but I save X amount to, is that, am I thinking right or no? Yeah, well, look, I mean, uh, you can definitely incentivize people through NFTs, whether that's, advisors, influencers, community members. I think the answer is just like transparency, right? Like if uh, if you're clearly explaining that, hey, there's so much of the supply that's going to be allocated to partners. I think 50% of the supply is probably a bit too much. It's normally, you know, maybe 10% of the supply that is allocated for these types of things. But as long as you're transparent, at the end of the day, nothing is a secret when it's on chain, right? So people can see what is and isn't happening. And at the end of the day, most people are looking at this financially. And one of the concerns with free NFTs is like, hey, you know, the, the price may be getting up to one, you know, let's just say three ETH is what the floor price is. But, you know, Bill just got a free one. He's going to sell it and it's going to tank the floor. You know, people are just going to sell their free ones to liquidate it. And so you, you want to be transparent about how many. You want to be transparent about the schedule just so people don't feel like they're being, you know, tricked or, or dumped on is what they would call it, where, you know, the founders or founding members or advisors are just sort of using the holders or whatever as exit liquidity. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's all about transparency. And do founders usually keep some? Like if I created it, what's common? So you said 10%, right? The reason I was thinking more is because I'm always thinking of this as I have two, I have three buckets of advisors. I have advisors who are helping advise the project, right? Just to make sure the project is a huge success. 
kind of like what you're doing here, but would be in much more detail. Then the second bucket of advisors would be the advisors that are in the community. And I'm talking about bringing people that otherwise no one would have access to. These are very, very you know, in, sought after experts at their trade. So I'm gonna have to incentivize them probably pretty well to get them in there. And then the third set of advisors would be the marketing advisors. So these are the people that are gonna help during that 14 to 30 day buzz building to drive traffic into it. So that's why I was like, I need more than less. But of the three buckets, I never included myself. Like, do I hold on to some or is it not common to do that? Yeah, look, again, I would go back to you want to have the least, uh, you know, the, the least amount of uh, withheld NFTs. Um, again, it comes back to diluting the value of, for those who have actually paid for it. So a lot of the time, you know, speaking from a business perspective, a lot of time compensation to advisors is actually just taken out of the mint. So what's raised? It's like, okay, well, as an advisor, you get X, you know, percentage and, um, you know, but as you've explained, there's different types of people and not everybody you'd want involved in that type of a, a negotiation. So I guess the answer is you certainly can. I think 10% is probably the maximum. And if, if you wanted to do more than that, you'd probably have to like have a larger overall collection. Um, okay. In order to to sustain something like that, because yeah, more than ten percent, I think there'll be too many, too much uh, concern. Uh, let's say about the floor price and and basically those all being dumped. Got it. So if I wanted to do more than ten percent or numbers, then you would say, hey, go to two thousand lower price. D did I understand that correctly? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, if you, if you wanted to have more that you could withhold, then then that would be an answer. For sure. Okay, got it. Awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, so I look at this, right? And I keep thinking to myself, for this is for me, I know this isn't necessarily applicable to people listening, but I'm like, there is this fine line that if I can create a killer offer that I feel like people will want, and it's nothing different than what we would do in the marketing world, right? And go back to my product launch days, right? Where we would do a product launch and we give the affiliate 50% of what they, I mean, we would do millions and millions of dollars. Well, here it's like, if I can create a perfect incentive for 10 of my closest friends to support the launch of this NFT, right? So that there's something in it for them that they're just like, holy crap, we'll make a ton of money if we do this. Um, create the perfect offer so that the audience is running to it and saying, holy crap, we wanna be a part of it. Um, I feel like if I can create both of those, the rest falls in line. Like people wanna be a part of the project, the advisors will come and and all of that. So that, that does get to be interesting. Um, Man, this has been great. Uh, this has been one of my favorite episodes I've done in a long time, Jordan. And I mean that. I rarely ever say that on my episodes. It's just like, because I've learned a lot, right? Like I, I, I am starting to understand how I could put something together, but I'm also understanding it's intricate. Like if I want to do this, I'm going to have to spend multiple months really putting a killer project together. And I think what you end up doing then is you end up creating the value. Like if you put that much time, energy, and love into something, it's probably going to end up being that valuable um, and, and taken off. So uh, really, you know, we've got just a few minutes. I really want to respect your time. I hope to be able to have you back in the future. Um, and I actually would love to talk to you more off this podcast as well. But um, anything I didn't ask you? about launching NFT projects that you're like, oh man, we really missed this one thing. I got to get it out there. You know, um, like it's one of those things where one hour you'll never be able to get through all these things. And part of it comes through experience. It's just like minting, seeing what's good and what's bad. There is so much that goes into getting a collection right. It's the appealability. It's the aesthetic. It's the economics of the collection. Um, you know, there's just so much detail. The minting method, the, if, whether or not they're staking. It, but all of this just comes through experience. 
And, you know, generally when we work with a, with a client on a, on a brand new concept, it's like a week-long workshopping exercise. And so it, it's a lot to unpack. I think if I were to, uh, you know, there's two things I would close with is, number one, do some research, you know, for people who want to launch a collection, really look at what's working. And I don't just mean, you know, the roadmap and like the general concepts. I mean, look at the ratios that are used in the profile picture. There's a reason that most profile pictures are facing a certain way. Uh, there's, a, there's a certain dimension set for, you know, how, how big and, and to what point generally shoulder line that a, that a profile picture NFT, you know, is designed. So there's just a lot of small details. And the other thing that, that's interesting uh, to close speaking to our background in marketing is that niche is actually really important in NFTs. Um, I find that when you try to launch something to everybody, you generally won't hit. Cyber pharmacy was one example where it's like, okay, we're going after people who are interested in CBD, uh, alternative wellness, psychedelics. That was it. And the art, the roadmap, the community, it was all focused. And that was one of the reasons we're able to generate the 5 million in 37 minutes is because that whole community that we brought together was, was shared that. And now they're all part of a community that they want to be part of and they, they share that value. So yeah, it's heaps unpack. I'm sure we'll, we'll have another chat another day. And, uh, but it was totally fun chatting to you about what we did today. One big question, and you can give a short answer, but I can't let you go without that. All right. You mentioned at one point, hey, $100,000 marketing budget. In, your, in, in a traditional NFT world, like I started building my own my marketing plan. Where does that go? Where does $100,000 go? What would you spend it on? I mean, that's such a great question. And it's also such a, <clears throat> that the answer to that question could change on a weekly basis. Uh, in the very beginning, it was like, hey, we've got to pay celebrities. It's all about getting a celebrity to post a story. And it's all, that's the hype. That doesn't work anymore. Like that, that people are done with that. And so now a lot of the ad spend does go into social. So we spend quite a bit of uh, money, you know, on, on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, that actually still converts quite well. And we've got like a funnel process for that. And it is, um, you know, it, it is kind of mid-level influencers, but specifically crypto influencers that you're trying to go for. Um, mainstream celebrities don't work. It's, it's these people, these kind of micro-influencers within the NFT space who have the right audience, who are kind of tuned in. Um, those are the types of people you want on the project. But allocating the capital really depends on what's working within that time frame, and it, it, it changes so often. Awesome, man. All right, Jordan, I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much. This has been, you really did get my gears going. I am thinking I am definitely going to be uh, thinking more about it. And let's see where it goes. I'll keep pulling the thread until something comes. But thank you so much. Um, where can people follow you, see your work? I mean, is it social media handles? Anything you want to throw out? Yeah, I'll, uh, all my links will be at jordanfrance.com. So that'll be the place. All right, perfect, everyone. And we'll put it in our show notes as well at onicpodcast.com. Make sure you follow Jordan. He's doing amazing work and he's always throwing out some good, good tips. So without further ado, go out, do something about this. NFTs I have, are definitely here to stay. They're going to change and evolve over time. I think utility is going to win again in the future over vanity, but um, totally going to be here for the long haul. So without uh, anything else I have to say, thank you so much. When life pushes you, stand straight, smile, push it the heck back, go fight for your dreams. Go to onicpodcast.com, hit subscribe, thumbs up, uh, follow, whatever, man. Go out there, tell people about this podcast and join us at lurn.com and watch and wait to see if we do an NFT. You never know. All right. Talk to you guys later. Jordan, thanks so much. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Fighting Entrepreneur with your host, Onyx Singal. 